Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very delayed uh, episode of Topical Brainstorm. I am Christian, and I'm here with Garrett. How you doing, dude? Doing quite well. Really well. <laughs> That's Good. as specific as I'd like to be. <laughs> Good. Good to hear it. Uh, it's been about a month since we recorded uh, for a, a multitude of reasons. Um, one is the house that I mentioned last episode that me and my wife Kylie got, uh, we no longer got. So we lost that house, which was just a bummer. Lost some money, but uh, life moves on and we'll try again in a few months. And uh, we've also had issues with this uh, website we use to record podcasts. So anyway, we've had a few barriers, but we're back at it. So here we go. Back in the saddle. <laughs> it feels good. Feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, how's, how's your life been, though, in this last month? I mean, besides what I already mentioned, which sucked, it's been pretty good. It's been a good month. I am a few weeks away from graduating, which is exciting. Uh, I don't really know what my life's going to look like after I graduate yet because I haven't accepted a job offer. I guess that's news too, though. I've been I've been interviewing and I've... I've technically got two verbal job offers right now. Really? I just um, know about the one. Where's the other one? So I got one this week. It's down in Alpine, Utah. Uh, it's like another, it's just like a tax return place. Um, but I don't really have the details of either one yet. I'm waiting on like formal written offers and then I'll decide, but. Anyway, uh, that feels good, you know, to actually go through five years of school and, and uh, actually be wanted as an employee. So, <laughs> yeah, that's you're, you're one step above me, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you're finishing soon, though, right? You just got one semester left. Yeah, I'm almost done. Yeah. And then I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's the biggest news in my life, so that's a big step forward, a big life change, but I'm ready for it, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I've had a pretty good month as well. Uh, stocks are booming, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about I, that either. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I've kind of started dating someone, which is nice. So there you that's go, good. Dad. I know you listen to this, so. Have you not uh, told your parents? Uh, they don't need to know. <laughs> oh, now they know. Now they will well, know. Yeah, now they will, but. Yeah. So that's fun. Uh, it's been good. She's really cool. We'll see what happens. Uh, question. Have you, throughout this process of meeting this girl, have what we've learned in this book, has it been like going through your mind constantly? Or uh, has it has it just been pretty natural, just being yourself? Honestly, these chapters have helped. Well, these this book has helped a lot. Nice. Uh, mostly with like the uh, with like 
the conversation and how it should flow. And it's been, I don't know, I like my typical self, it took a few dates for me to really become comfortable. Yeah. Um, just because I was nervous. Um, but, you know, asking the right questions, I felt like really helped. And uh, the kissing chapter was actually pretty helpful. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Does she know about this podcast? She knows about the podcast. She doesn't know what, she doesn't know the title of it or okay. what so book she, we're in. She She's can't. never listened to it. Got it. Okay. And so you don't have to tell her about it until you're ready, which is good. <laughs> yeah. So like, and you know, one day I will, but not now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, cool. Uh, so this book hasn't been a waste of time, which is good to know. Hey, it's helped me. The last one helped you get a job. <laughs> <laughs> this one helped me in my life. So we're yeah, good. and there are still some good chapters in this book about you know living with a woman, loving a woman for a lifetime. I think once we get into that stuff, that will I'm sure that'll help me a lot too. A lot of the focus has been on on kind of your phase of life, but what we're going to get into today is once again back in my court a little bit but in every man's court um, for a lot of reasons and we got into part whatever part of the book this is part four which is titled making love to a woman and due to a few reasons the fact that I'm still pretty newly wed and I'm not super comfortable talking publicly about my sex life or mine and my wife's sex life, and also due to lack of experience for for both of us in a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons. I'm rambling. We decided to <laughs> we decided to compile all three chapters into one episode, and that's today. So it's gonna be a wild ride. It will definitely be a wild. Uh before we get into that though, we should touch on our goals real quick. Um, Garrett, I think the last things you've talked about is one, at one point you were going to tell us how much money you spent on food in a month. And I kind of doubt that you ever added that up, but maybe, maybe you're wrong. You know, (laughs) I, I did not add it up, but I will give a quick (laughs) estimate. I can tell you what my credit card bill was that I just paid off and I'm pretty sure it was all food. I don't think I bought anything else. Uh, it was like $400 for the month. Wow. All on yeah. food? I, I guess it was 350 not 400 And it must have been all on food because I can't remember any other purchases that I made <laughs> that were like significant, you know? Yeah. So it's bad. It's getting bad. I need to uh, buckle down. And uh, stop spending so much freaking money on food, man. Yeah, I feel like we spend way too much as well. But we're closer to like... We we spend about $440 a month on food on average between the two of us. Which I still think is is a lot higher than I'd like it to be. But it's not that bad, you know. Wait, how much? 
I said 440 has been our average the last couple months. Um, but for the, for both of us, and I mean, we've, we've splurged on a couple, you know, nice nights out and stuff, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that feels like a lot to me. Yeah. But, I mean, um, it's there are two of us at least. So <laughs> yeah, like I'm matching that and there's one of me. <laughs> so yeah, that's bad. Oh, I need to work on that still. I should right, sit I down and put together like a, a budget, which I I generally have. Like I I know I keep track of my money really well, except for food. That's like my Achilles heel. <laughs> yeah. What about you? How's uh, exercising going? Uh, it's going pretty good. My family, my sister Caitlin texted my family and wanted to start uh, a family fitness challenge. So we all got this this Under Armour app where you can track like walks and runs and workouts and stuff. And we and she organizes these weekly challenges where we like one week it was, you know, how much distance you traveled. One week was like this week is number of workouts and I'm not doing very good this week, but um that's kind of been fun just to to get to see what your family's doing and try to compete a little bit. Yeah. Um and I'm still really inconsistent. Like this week I've only done one workout and it was literally a half an hour walk I did one day during lunch. Um hopefully I can make it to the gym tonight after this recording, but Yeah, that's my plan too. But Yeah, I I do feel motivated. I've kind of been doing some weightlifting, like more than I've done since high school, uh, which feels really good to get sore like that. And I haven't been motivated to do that in years, but yeah, dude, I've um, been lifting weights more and more lately. And it's nice to just like, like even after a couple of weeks, you can start to see a difference. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's cool. It's nice. It feels good. Makes your body feel good. Yeah, it makes me feel like I'm not just like a waste of space. Some yeah, days, you know. So like anyway, I, <laughs> I I need like a a better system and a better schedule, and hopefully a full time job will help provide that. Because right now I have like some crazy days where I work ten hours and have homework, and then I have some days where I I don't have work or homework. You know, it's just kind of crazy. Hopefully, in the next couple months, as I get into a more full-time schedule, I'll be able to schedule time to work out more consistently. But overall, it's been going pretty well, and I, I will work on a, a more regimented schedule and goal to report on, I think. Cool, cool. Yeah, I need to, I need to make a better workout plan as well. That's been <laughs> kind of – I was doing really well, and then I started – Hanging out with this girl. <laughs> yeah, that'll, ta- that'll do it to you. <laughs> I'll take the girl any day. Let me tell you, I when I got close to Kylie, the year we dated and, and then got engaged, got married later. I like our 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 hobbies. When you and me were roommates, we would go play spike ball. We'd go play whatever. Like two or three nights a week, I felt like we were getting some good physical activity. You know. 
And that just all like stopped as soon as I started dating Kylie. And it would be I, like, I know. I was like, what? what happened to Christian? I haven't seen him in like three days. <laughs> well, that's an exaggeration. But oh, yeah, but I mean, we slept in the same room. Anyway. Yeah, I just the, the amount of physical activity has gone down so much the last few years of my life. And I I feel like it's kind of ramping back up right now, which which feels good. But that is good. That'll do it to you. I'll do it to you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, right. should we yeah. get started? All right. So chapter seven, the first of the three chapters in this section is called Image is Everything. And it, it basically covers the idea that, well, it explains that women's relationships with their own bodies is very complicated, and there are a lot of reasons for that. A main one being media and advertisements that are just so, um, so visible and so everywhere, you know, in our society. And some of the yeah, stats they're... that they mentioned were crazy. Yeah, they're pretty rampant. Like the stat here that says like women view between 400 and 600 advertisements a day and one out of every 11 is what the feminine beauty is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Like that's nuts. Yeah, and I honestly, that's I did the math. That's claiming 46 a day if the average woman sees 500 ads and one out of 11 are are you know a picture or a vision or an image of of ideal feminine beauty which like 46 a day whether that's under undershooting it or whether some women see less than that or more than that whatever like that's a lot that's a lot of times every day that you're like instantly comparing yourself to somebody else and their body and their flawless body right because so many of those ads are not only are they edited but they're you know these women who work to do that and they were maybe gifted with a lot of natural beauty but they also maybe spend a ton of time working out that the average person just doesn't have to do doesn't have the time for or whatever it is not to mention all the editing but like that's so much brainwashing going around that it's it's understandable why that relationship is complicated, a woman with her body. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. There's like so many different... Like the, the main thing I took out of this chapter was like um, make, her, make her feel beautiful no matter what, you know? Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you took from that chapter or... Yeah. So, it, yeah, it gets into what a man can do to kind of fight all of that advertisement. And, yeah, yeah I think you know them in the head. Just do everything you can to, to make her feel beautiful. Yeah, I, th I think that the, <laughs> the one thing that I really liked that they said, like one example they gave was the classic, like, when, you, when your wife or your partner looks at you and, and asks, do I look fat in this? They're like, they say to always give the response that you are beautiful no matter what you wear. And that's yeah. like the only acceptable response, <laughs> which I thought was really, I mean, it nails, nails it on the head. Like you don't want them to feel bad about themselves. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a I think that pretty much sums up the chapter. It's just women have so many things telling them that they don't measure up physically, right? And I'm sure even even women who society, you know, the majority of society would claim are beautiful, like even even those women consistently have issues with with uh what's the word? Just like insecurities about their bodies. And one example they give is some guy ran a clinic clinic of all these like sex therapists who apparently when he got there, he thought they were all very attractive people. Um, but all of them had very big insecurities about their physical looks and their attractiveness. It's like even, even those people who seem really confident in all these advertisements or you know, the people you see on TV, whatever it is, like everyone's feeling these insecurities. Um, and which just is a statement on how sucky that is for our society. Right. But at the same time, as, um, the husband or boyfriend of a woman, all you can really do is never let her doubt how attractive how attracted you are to her, right? Never let her doubt, never say anything that makes her question or makes her feel insecure about your feelings for her and her body. Yeah. Um, and what you said about the one acceptable answer to that question, you know, I'm sure you can word it different, but everything you say to her and every time she expresses vulnerability about something like that, your answer should be nothing but positive, right? Because she's already dealing with so many negative experiences every day comparing herself to all these advertisements. Yeah. And with these chapters being about what they are, um, you know, sex, why why would a, a woman want to do that with you if you don't make her feel or if – if she's insecure around you and you bring out those insecurities, why would she even want to to do that with you, you know? Like that yeah, doesn't make any sure. sense to me. So you need to uh make her feel good about about who she is as a person and make her feel good about her body and you'll well, first of all, to put it um You'll probably get it more regularly, <laughs> to put it that way. <laughs> yeah, um, that makes sense. So, <clears throat> I don't know. They also talk about men having an easier defined path to success where, you know, successful men usually dress this, uh, like success by the, the the standards of the world, I guess is how you'd put it, like. A nice suit, a tie, you know, a good haircut, which I don't, you and I don't have that luxury. Um, <laughs> you know, just like, like stuff like that. Everyone can see a successful guy and it, it looks the same. Whereas women, like there's so much more that goes into a successful woman, mm -hmm. uh, at least through the world standards. And that's not necessarily true. But that really complicates like how how women feel about themselves and I don't know it's it's sad but that's just kind of how it is you know so yeah. don't don't 
don't do anything to bring out insecurities that that she has because she does and and you have them too you know like guys are also very insecure that's just how it is yeah one thing that i really found interesting was they they bring up the fact that for thousands of years women have been you know judged and valued based on their physical attractiveness and he uses the example of how men used to buy their their wives their brides right like the the whole Johnny Lingo yeah that's what eight, i was thinking an eight cow woman right which maybe that's i don't know if that's just like an lds it's pretty common in utah a common story that people know about but um women have always been told since they were little that their physical attractiveness is the main thing of value that they bring to the world or their greatest asset is the way they put it in the book. Um, women have been taught this, maybe not by their mothers, but by the world and by advertisements they see, you know? So like that's been ingrained in them pretty deeply. And it's, it's a pretty vicious cycle because that, when they see an ad and they think about it, they feel like they don't measure up. That drops their confidence, um, which in turn, it, I mean, that that is hard on your relationship, right? Like you mentioned before, why would a woman want to have sex with you? She's not going to feel close to you if you're not affirming her and and be nothing but loving because going back to the first chapter that women's number one need is that you're there for them that you're trustworthy that they feel safe with you and that's talking about emotional safety here right but if you're not doing everything to combat all of those negative thoughts um yeah i think you you got that right like sex isn't probably going to happen as often but it's also just going to be hard on your relationship completely when there's not that confidence there. Um, and when someone doesn't feel good about themselves, it's they're less fun to be around also. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. Um, but being the hero, being a good partner um, and doing what you can to compliment her and let her know you love every part of her body, as they put it in this in these chapters, is the one thing you can do to combat this and um, make her feel better about herself. Yeah. Um, something that I found interesting before we get to the porcupine, which I think was my <laughs> favorite part of the story of this this section in the book. Yeah. Was the the fact that there's been a lot of studies done where um, they ask men and women um, to if they like give them a diagram of the female reproductive system to fill out. And most men can't do that. And they even found that a lot of women can't do it either. It's the same reproductive system diagram that you see in in grade school, you know, whatever that is, eighth and all through high school that you see and label in class and you most most men can't do it which i find very interesting i can do it because you know i took a college class on it yeah uh not just on that but like anatomy that's obviously part of it and yeah. that's like a big part of of sex is like knowing 
where things are at. <laughs> so I just found I found that very interesting. And I guess there is like a very primitive thing about 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 sex where you could put two people together and eventually they'll figure it out and it probably won't be too hard for them. But I feel like if you know beforehand uh what's where everything's at, you'll just it'll be easier and you'll have a much better time, both of you. <laughs> I mean, obviously I, I don't know, but I found that interesting. So now let's get to the porcupine. Uh, yeah, the porcupine. Uh, so yeah, what Garrett just mentioned, um, before the porcupine, I got one more thing to add, uh, in that chapter, it it talks about, you know, the human body and, um, well, I guess going back to chapter seven too, the one other thing that, that I, I really found interesting was they talk about, um, kind of the the ideal feminine standard and how that's changed over the over time um i don't know if you remember this part they talked about how when the plague came through the bubonic plague in the 1300s how ideal feminine beauty at that point was for a woman to look pregnant just because that signified how healthy and fertile she was so women, even if they weren't pregnant, they were they were told and they would try to make themselves look pregnant. And then even all the way to the 1920s, uh, the ideal feminine standard was for a more, I think the words they used were voluptuous and curvaceous woman. And it wasn't until it wasn't until the 1920s and the first like feminine movement um, when women decided to reject traditional feminine images and decided to like, that's, that's when the whole like being super thin thing became attractive, which I think is crazy. Like that's just wild that even a hundred years ago, that's changed so much. And I think that also indicates just how much all these advertisements and culture has on on us as men as well um because like we've obviously men and women in general have bought into this idea that being super thin is the most attractive but like that wasn't considered true a hundred years ago which is just crazy that that society and culture and advertisements can have that big of an impact on everyone yeah i agree i think it's yeah it's really interesting. Uh, what's interesting to me about that is the fact that by rejecting in the 1920s, women decide to reject this ideal standard of feminine beauty, and then they create an equally, I don't want to say toxic standard, but over time it has evolved into that in, in many aspects, you know? Yeah, it's definitely where it's, toxic. Where it's, yeah, where it's like become so... Like you have to be so thin, which is just not true. Like, yeah, it's just it's it's weird how it swings. The pendulum just swings from one extreme to the other. Yeah, and I, I, it, I mean, it kind of seems like we're swinging back toward the center, where there are there are a lot of there are a lot of you know advertisements or or people pushing 
Like, you know, anorexia became a whole stigma and, and, uh, people are pushing for just like a more healthy body, you know? But the thing is when, when you see a commercial with a woman who's not super skinny, it still stands out, you know? It's like you can tell that they didn't go get a super skinny model, but like it's it's noticeable, you know, it's not like a normal thing yet. And then there's also the other the other extreme where people are, you know, celebrating unhealthy body types, which which is is probably which is bad as well, right? Like generally we know what a healthy person looks like and you can go either way, but I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just, it's crazy that, you know, we talked about how women get this idea ingrained in them that their physical beauty is really important. But, like, men also get this idea that, like, the women they with are with need to look a certain way. And, like, obviously some of that is just natural physical attraction. But, like, how much of that is, how much of what you find attractive has been dictated to you based on, commercials you've seen you know yeah no like it's just, it's weird or like what what your friends found attractive in elementary school you know like yeah yeah it's just it's weird but you're right um yeah anyway we can get to that let's, porcupine now let's get want. to the porcupine um <laughs> this is yeah, this is good. This is good stuff. This is a this is a good story. So John, <laughs> one of the authors of the book, went to a class to uh, learn how to better teach this kind of stuff, like sex therapy, and that and the such. And uh, they <laughs> they basically showed a video to everyone in the class of a bunch of different animals doing it. And it was very, most of the time with most animals, it was very short and it looked like non-enjoyable for, for both the, the male and the female until it showed the video of the porcupine and the porcupine has all these needles on it. So the, the man can't just mount and like go to town, you know, like most animals do. So the porcupine has this, uh, has a special way of, of getting the lady to get her quills down and he'll sit in front of, in front of the male, uh, the, the male will sit in front of the female porcupine and take its paw and it'll like stroke her face for, I don't know, five, ten minutes, and then he'll go walk around and check to see if her quills are down. And if they're not, he'll go back and he'll he'll stroke her face for another five, ten minutes. And he'll do that as long as it takes for her to put her quills down. And that's like the the sign that she's ready to go, you know, which is really cool. I find that story really uh, enjoyable, and there's a lot of parallels that we can uh, we can make there. And I will surrender the time to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when me and my wife read read these chapters together, 
And when we read that, Kylie was like, that's adorable. And it really is, you know, it's just like, <laughs> and if, if you've ever seen any other animals, like on my mission, there would always be just roosters and chickens and stuff, just like hanging out in people's front yards. And you, you could see it. You could see a rooster. He'd just be doing his thing. And then suddenly he'd like look up and get all alert and then like look around for a female and like run <laughs> over to her. And it would be over in two seconds. Just like, <laughs> just like wild that it's just like, it's such an instinctual thing. Oh, and man. it's true. I think of all species that, well, I can't say that. I don't know. But for men, we're talking about humans now. Men definitely can get aroused very quickly, but it takes women a little longer, which is completely normal. And as you said, there are a lot of parallels to take from the story of the porcupine. Um, you know, just just take it slow um, and be be the porcupine. Enjoy, enjoy the moment. Take it slow. There's definitely a lot of um, warming up that needs to happen. And one other thing to touch on while we're on this topic, um, Garrett mentioned, you know, the whole um, knowing the, the reproductive system, because um, I definitely could have used a review before I got married um, and I'm sure can still use a review frequently. But women have erogenous zones all over their body there's one pretty funny diagram in this book that shows men's erogenous zones and women's and men's they have like 11 markers all pointing to you know the <laughs> penis basically <laughs> and then they have a woman right next to the man and they have the 11 markers spread out you know all over her body anywhere you could yeah. imagine you know yeah. um which is it's funny but it's it's true um and going back to chapter seven, take the time to love your woman and love every part of her um, all the time, but also right before sex, you know, like that will be very appreciated. She'll enjoy it much more and she'll put her quills down. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So, what? yeah. Remember that story of the porcupines because it's adorable and it's it's uh, very applicable. Very probably. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so something I found really interesting that that John and Julie write is that and this is a generalization and they even say it's a generalization, but it's still worth noting. Uh, women need to feel emotionally connected to have sex and men need need to have sex to feel emotionally connected. And I find that very interesting and probably true for the most part. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an overgeneralization. Um, but I think there is some truth to it. Uh, I think another, another thing they said in this book, or maybe it wasn't in this book, but they kind of said women need a reason to have sex. Men just need a place. Um, yeah, I don't remember if that was in this book or not. You could probably tell me, but that kind of goes back again to, to the main needs and that men and women have, you know, or the main complaints and men want, you know, less fighting and more sex and women want 
men who are there for them and trustworthy. And if you're yeah. doing all those other good things, if you're being trustworthy, if you if you are there for them, then those will be really big turn-ons for the for the woman in your life, um, and that will lead to more sex. And I, they really lay that out in this book that you know men men are the issue in relationships most of the time. They break they make or break the relationship. But if you're doing all those other things, um, and if you are you know, really trying to meet the needs of your woman, I think the sex part will come naturally, right? Because you'll, you'll understand what she needs and you'll try to figure those things out and you'll put the time in to understand her and what she likes, what she wants, um, and what feels good and what doesn't. Um, yeah. And I think all of that, all of that leads into, to having an enjoyable experience for both of you. Um, but, you know, if, if you're doing your part, um, you're going to feel close to her because that's going to make the sex better and it's going to just all be better, right? If you're doing those things to make her feel emotionally close to you. Yeah. Um, there are a couple more things I'd like to just briefly touch on. I don't know how many more things you would like to talk about, but um, something that my brother taught me not in the context of sex, but like in the context of life and John and Julie mentioned this is, uh, you're never going to get something if you don't ask for it. Um, and I feel like that applies to this as well. Uh, like it's okay to ask for, for, for sex in the right, right context, whether that's, initiating something or or just asking if you're comfortable enough to do that um but if the answer is no like take it don't take that personally and something that john and julie talk about is like you know if she's not if she's not down ask her what she does want to do maybe she wants to go for a walk maybe she wants to cuddle maybe she wants alone time um and i find that very important Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I first heard of John Gottman from a podcast that my mother-in-law suggested that I and Kylie listened, me and Kylie listened to, that I, Kylie and I listened to. There we go. <laughs> That's grammatically correct. Um, and it was just John getting interviewed by by a couple people and he talked about a lot of things that I really liked and some of them he's mentioned in this book but one of the main things that stuck with me was what you just said that um in a in a relationship there are all these bids for connection um where even something as little as like oh the sunset looks really nice and how that person, how the other person responds is going to dictate how happy you are in your marriage. Because if they, if they take the time to look up at the sunset and comment on it and interact with you, when you make that bid for connection, um, that goes a long way. But if, if they don't listen, if they don't react to it, or if they dismiss it, um, that also goes a long way in harming your relationship. And I'd never really thought about it. That's kind of how all relationships are, right? Even with even just friendships. Um, it's like you got to take the time to react to those little things and they build up over time. Um, 
And then he also mentioned what you just said about asking specifically for sex. And basically the way you react to a rejection is going to dictate how much sex you have. Because if you get upset, if you take it personally, if you get up, if you get angry or if you get in, if you start insulting them in any way, like that's going to essentially just ruin your sex life because they're not going to feel safe to, to ask the next time. Um, anyway, that was really interesting. And I think that is good advice in life in general and relationships in general. Um, to not take things personally and, and be careful how you react to rejections um, because that really dictates a lot in your relationship. Yeah, very true. Another thing to talk about is like if if you sense any uncomfort um, at all while having relations, you know, stop. <laughs> like and they're talking about her like if she if you see that she's uncomfortable in any way you you need to stop and and figure that out um which is very important cuz you know there's there's a lot of things that like um like trauma and and sexual abuse that that some women unfortunately have to deal with and uh yeah so if, if you ever sense that that kind of thing that kind of unco- uh, discomfort yeah just stop and communicate and figure that out and attune attune that's important <laughs> yeah i mean that that's should be common sense right <laughs> what you yeah. just said but yeah it should be but, but i also <laughs> think there are yeah there are so many kind of faults what's the word these false ideas in our minds based off what we've seen, you know, in movies or whatever it is um, that just don't hold true in real relationships and in real sex. Um, so keep that in mind. And uh, yeah, I agree with what you said. Yeah. There's also like, they they give a bunch of things that you can do like during sex to make it more enjoyable. I don't know about you. I'd rather not get into that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's by the book, by the book. If you want to hear more, how about that? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just leave it at that. It's a good, it's worth reading. So buy it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a lot of good stuff in there. Um, we apologize for not being experts on this topic and not wanting to discuss it in too much detail, but I think we gave you a pretty good overview. And, uh, if there's one takeaway, understanding the relationship that women have with their bodies and how much negative input they get every day in that aspect. Um, and just doing everything you can to combat that. I feel like is, uh, is the biggest thing really. Yeah, and be the porcupine. Be the porcupine. That's that's definitely the other biggest takeaway. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't have anything left to add. Uh, no, me neither. I think we covered it. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks for the the great episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. 